Hi, this is Mark, lead pastor of Lux Digital Church. I want to thank you for joining us today and also invite you to join with us live at twitch.tv slash Church every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. EST. Thank you for joining us and please enjoy this message. Well, welcome in to Lux Digital Church. Those of you that are live, you've already seen this face and this backdrop and this setup. I am Chino Mage. Uh, I'm Andy, and it is so, so, so great to be able to be with you tonight, wherever you are. Uh, Pastor Mark is returning from Uganda. We're super stoked about that. Obviously, uh, you need to catch up on our VOD if you are just now joining us and have no clue why the background looks like it looks like or uh, the sound levels might be a touch off or we've only got one light there, uh, things like that. And if you're listening on podcast, you really don't have any clue about that. So uh, just forget everything that I said. But hey, uh, we are so, so happy that you are part of our community wherever you are. We're so thankful that you literally took a little bit of time out of your Wednesday evening or Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, wherever you are to be with us. You could have been doing anything and you chose to be with us. Uh, and for our on-demand family, we love you as well, those on YouTube and VOD and podcast. But I want to invite you into our Discord to just join up with a, a group of people that really love you and want to support you and want to be an actual church around you. That's what we do. We're there 24-7. We're an actual church there. We're praying for you. We're having fun. We're hanging out. We're watching movies and sending funny gifs or gifs, however you're going to call it. Uh, back and forth to each other. Uh, it's a gift, by the way. It's not a GIF. Uh, don't at me or at me. Let's let's pick up the fight here. Um, you call it GIF, right? Austin calls it GIF. That's because he's a, he was raised right. Um, yeah, don't at me. All right. Uh, so we got all of that out of the way. Now tonight, um, tonight might seem like a little bit of a downer. <laughs> uh, so I <clears throat> I need you to stick with me because it's not actually going to stay that way. Uh, but I, I need you to kind of get into a headspace with me right now. And so the main question I have for you before we kick anything off, what's the worst thing that has ever happened to you? Like, what is that one thing you've been holding on to for your entire life? Like the thing that has stuck with you that has kind of shaped you in terms of bad stuff. Um, I've shared the story with you a couple of, uh, a couple of times or at least a couple of with a couple of you but back before I started following Jesus I was I was dating this girl um, and I'm not gonna give her name uh, but I was dating this girl we dated for about a year uh, and then we started talking about the things that you talk about when you're together and you talk about you know marriage and and kids and all that and so I started saving up money for a ring had a lot of money in a bank account. Uh, I thought it was a lot of money at the time. <clears throat> and then we did something that the world goes and tells you to do. This is the world. Remember, I was not saved by Jesus at this point. And I was following the ways of the world. The world tells you, go and get an apartment together. This is not recommended, by the way. But we went and got an apartment together. We moved in together and all the money that I had saved up for this ring, I spent on things for the apartment, like a washer and a dryer and a bed and pots and pans and stuff, you know, all of that stuff. I blew all this money. I was, you know, and thinking like, hey, this is going to be fine. We lived in bliss for a couple of months. Everything was awesome. We had a couple of little issues here or there, but it was like nothing that we couldn't overcome. You know, we got a puppy together and then we had a cat to go along with the cat that I already had. And it was great until seemingly out of nowhere um i got home from work on a friday afternoon and i walked in and i found that everything in the apartment was gone minus my computer my clothes and a couch that i had brought into the relationship all of the pots all of the pans the bed 
everything, even the washer and dryer, was all gone. And that girl was sitting on that couch that I had brought, and she was waiting for me, and she informed me that she had been seeing another guy behind my back, and she was moving out. And I was crushed. I was broken. And I was broke. I, uh, I couldn't afford the place that we were living in. I couldn't afford to buy new things. I was so angry. Like, I've never been that angry with anybody in my life. And I was so angry with her. I incredible. I wanted bad things to happen to her. And I've never had that with anybody. I, I, I wanted evil things to happen to this girl. I was forced to get a roommate who was awful. He was terrible. And uh, he ended up, he actually, <laughs> our roommate ended, my roommate ended up getting us evicted because he did a bunch of things that violated the lease. And he just did stupid stuff. And then one day I got home and was like, hey, you got to move out in three days. And it was like, what? And so we had to move from this very nice sort of country club place. I had to move from this very nice sort of country club place into the literal ghetto, a studio apartment in St. Petersburg, Florida. And when I say ghetto, it was actually ghetto. It was a studio apartment that smelled like cigarettes and beer. And every night I would go to bed and I would hear fighting and yelling and drunkenness. And a lot of times there were gunshots following up all this stuff. And this was all because of what this girl had done to me. There was no way I could forgive her for that. No way. I I was going to hold on to this for the rest of my life. I was going to be angry with her. I knew I needed to move on and I needed to get stronger and I needed to do what the world told me to go do, which was go and be successful and to make sure that I rubbed her face in it. We'll get back to that story in just a little bit because we need to talk about where we are currently. We've been in this series of talks called Amen. Amen, the Lord's Prayer. And we've been looking at what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples' Prayer or whatever we want to call it. And we've been centering it around this entire key statement. And that's this. Prayer is an obligation. It's not an obligation, excuse me. It's an opportunity. Prayer is not just this empty thing we toss around at the Lord and then move on about our day. It's an opportunity to literally talk with the Almighty, the Invisible, the Indivisible Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And Jesus in this time is giving us a template and the Sermon on the Mount. The, the, the Lord's Prayer is a template. It's a model. It's not something that we just repeat over and over and over again, and we hope that God is hearing us through the words that have lost meaning to us because we repeated them so much. And if you look at what we've been talking about in this in this series, in this collection of talks, excuse me, there's really two big parts of the Lord's Prayer. There's the things relating to God's glory and his honor, and then there's the things that relate to us and our needs. And we're in the middle of that second portion today, where we read this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. It says this, Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. So what does that even mean, right? Um, that's, what we're, that's what we're here to do today. As I've been teaching and preaching about the Lord's Prayer, along with Pastor Mark over the last few weeks, I, I keep seeing patterns and ways of really kind of digging into this prayer. And the pattern is sort of this where we, we can break apart the phrases we've been looking at down into its constituent parts and then put it all back together and make it so much more as a whole. It's awesome. And I can break this verse down into three key words. We've got debts, we've got debtors, and we've got forgive. And I need you to buckle up 
because like I said at the very beginning of this time, some of this is going to be a little unpleasant and it's going to sound like I'm beating you down and doing the age old, like throwing a Bible at you and hitting you in the face with religion. And I, I know churches are really well known for doing that, but this tonight is not that. I need you to understand exactly where we are in terms of eternity and God and heaven and our place in the universe. That's why I asked you to kind of think about the, the worst thing that has ever happened to you. Because, because we have a tendency to think that the world revolves around us. We have, the, we have a tendency to be just kind of egocentric. Even on our best days, I will get angry at traffic on the way to work because it's not going fast enough because that's, I think that's my best day and yet I need to be there. Or I might get frustrated while I'm waiting in line for food because our inner nature is all about us. It's all about me. My inner nature is all about me. Your inner nature is all about you. It's about protecting you. It's about growing with you. It's about, it's about making sure that you get yours. But if we're following this verse tonight from Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, we're going to see that this is not only for you, but for others, and then for God as well. And it's good for all of that. So let's start out with debts. Now, Debts are a hot button uh, topic, especially in the United States right now. Student credit cards and student loans and all that other stuff. We're not talking about mortgage debts. Jesus isn't talking about anything like that. Actually, in other translations of this same verse and in the parallel translation and parallel version that's found in the book of Mark, chapter 11, it actually says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Jesus is talking about sin. Debt for our passage today essentially means sin. Now, the word debt itself actually means a failure to pay that which is due or a failure of duty. Huh, duty. Uh, here's, so don't laugh at duty because I'm going to say it a couple more times. Get it out. Just laugh at it right now. Put your fives and your LOLs in chat and then stop it. Okay? Get it out. Some of the bad news right off the top is you can't laugh at that word, but also some of the bad news is that we are all debtors. We're all sinners. All people are in debt to God because God is our ruler and he has given us many commands and duties to fulfill. Primarily, we've been called, called to love God with all our hearts. That's number one. And then number two, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And nobody has ever perfectly obeyed those two commands outside of one person, Jesus. And those two commands essentially summarize all the other commands. And that's a Matthew 22 thing. We can talk about that at a later time. We put ourselves and our needs before others, and we are failing our duty. We have put our own entertainment, our own education, our own jobs, and our own friendships before God. We have fallen short of God's glory, and therefore we have failed our duty. We are debtors to a holy God. And I need you to grab hold of that because it's important. There's also this other reality of this world that we live in. We, we live our lives in a network of relationships, and we have obligations and responsibilities in each one, like what I owe to God, what I owe to others, what others owe to me. That's a network of relationships. God is the only one that stands outside of all of those obligations, by the way. He doesn't, God doesn't owe us anything. And the sooner that we can understand that, the sooner that we can, we can see that this amazing gift that has been given to us is debt-free, is obligation-free, but we actually have obligations to others right now, and those obligations actually can all be summed up in a single word, love. Now, Jesus was asked about the most important thing 
we should be following. And he says this in Matthew chapter 22. It says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Uh, hold on, let me pull the thing up. Uh, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus is essentially saying the entirety of the Bible, especially the Old Testament, boils down to our duty to love. Cool, right? What does that have to do with sin and debt? See, when we think about sins, we are almost immediately conditioned to start thinking about the things we have done or said that is wrong. And I, we kind of had that beaten into us. But the starting point of sin is actually a little different in God's eyes. It's not what we have done, but it's what we have failed to do. Remember, we, we have failed our duty. Our duty to love God and, and to love others every single moment of every single day for all of our lives on this earth and for all of eternity. I owe it to you right now to always seek your best interest, and you owe it to me to seek my best interest. And that's true of every human relationship. You owe it to your spouse. You owe it to your partner. You owe it to your kids. If you have them, your coworkers, your neighbors, the students around you in class, you owe it to that 12-year-old who keeps running too quickly past the spawn points in your raid and keeps making you wipe. You owe it to them to love them and to seek their best things. And on top of that, you owe it to God to love him as fully as you can. And here's the kicker. We're not infinite like God. I don't know if you knew this, I'm not infinite and neither are you. So you will never be able to love like he loves. It is literally impossible. And so our debts are always outstanding. We have this permanent stain on our records forever. You feeling bummed yet? Because I am. <laughs> but I want to transition a little bit and look at the next word that comes to mind. So we talked about debts. Let's talk about debtors. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So, just like you owe love towards other people in your life, they also owe you. We talked about this very briefly, but those people also owe you. God placed that obligation on you and on them. You need to go and love others, but so do they. They owe you, which is great, right? And you have been sinned against by others. Cool. Eye for an eye. Let's go live our lives. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. Because how many times do you feel like people don't show you appreciation or love? How often do you feel like you're being left in the dark or mistreated or undervalued or overworked or forgotten? The people that do that to you are your debtors. They owe God, but they also owe you. They're not doing their job. They have wronged you. And this is important to understand that there are going to be people that will fail you. In fact, most people will fail you. They will fail to love you well. They will disappoint you. They will not give you the grace that they should, the things that you feel that you deserve. That's going to happen. That is just a fact of human life. But, but, even when a person fails to love me, even when a person fails to love you, we still have an obligation to love and respect them back. 
And this is the heart of the challenge of living as a Christian in a world that says dog eat dog and eye for an eye, and you go, you go and get yours, dude. Because that's what our world does today. You go and get yours, man. But we are called to be something different. We're called to love. We're called to get past the debt and debtor relationship there. So then what does it look like to go and love others well? There's a difference between our love for God and our love for others. Because loving God means obeying all his commands, doing all he says. That's loving God. But loving others doesn't mean that you have to do everything that they say you should be doing because that would then put them in the position of God and, and that belongs to God alone. So like to love others well, you kind of you kind of need to break this down even a little further. And, and, and so I, I kind of kept coming to these three main things we need to show people. We need to show people consideration, empathy, and grace. Now, consideration, super simple, right? This is, you need to consider that person. This is what's often referred to as the golden rule, or what Jesus says later in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, he says, do to others what you would have them do to you. This is the golden rule. Try to consider what someone else is looking at and put yourself in their shoes. It's also called empathy, consideration, empathy. They kind of walk the same. They kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're holding arm in arm. Do for that person what you would hope they would do for you if you were in their position. And so that is consideration. But then we actually have empathy, which the Apostle Paul defines as Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. From Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Loving people well enters into their sorrows and their joys with them. It considers them a real person, considers them worthy, and that it enters into their sorrows and their joys with them. Empathy for me is like the hardest thing to do because I have a tough time sorting through my own thoughts half the time let alone trying to enter someone else's world. But this is a command of Jesus through our phrase of the Lord's Prayer today. It's something I'm working on, something you're working on, something we all have to work on. So we have consideration, we have empathy, and then we also have grace. Grace is not just the name of my daughter, but grace is also, it is, but grace is something that God has shown us through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has covered all of our sins, putting them under the blood of Christ, and that includes, by the way, sins you were not aware that you were committing at the time, as well as the things you had done in the past and the things you're going to do in the future. All covered under the blood of Christ. Yes and hallelujah. Throw your fives in the chat because we are saved and redeemed the second we call Jesus our Lord and our Savior. But in our case of showing other people love, the Apostle Paul defines grace as this. In First Peter, sorry, Peter, not Paul. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8. He says, love covers over a multitude of sins. This is grace. This is the core of grace towards another human being. People are going to sin against you. They will owe you. The point of grace in your relationships is that just as God does not punish you every time you mess up, so you are to cover over things that people have done to you. By covering over them, this is an important point, by the way, I, I don't mean sweeping them under the rug and forgetting about them. I mean not letting them overtake your emotions, not allowing yourself to dwell on them. You, you don't need to, we're going to talk about forgiving and forgetting in just a second. Like we, we, that, is, that, is a, that is a foreign concept in the Bible. I, also, I told you I'm awful at empathy. I'm also awful at showing people grace, even those that are closest to me. I'm uh, I'm awful at letting things go, and I'm and and I'm really really bad at letting what I perceive as sins, little things, be covered 
over. Like the girl I talked about from earlier, I had a tough, tough time letting go. It took years. Through grace, consideration, empathy, and grace, through all of those things, we're able to push past the things that have happened to us, and we're able to forgive. There's that big word, forgive. And there's two things happening with forgiveness here, because in our initial scripture for tonight, Jesus taught us to pray, forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. The biggest part of this is that you and I have been forgiven by God. We pray this line of the Lord's Prayer to remember that. Each and every time we pray something like this in our model of prayer, we remember that we've been forgiven by God, and we continue to ask God to show us that forgiveness. I mean, imagine the biggest thing you've ever asked for, the most amount of money, and then multiply that by a million, and that doesn't even come close to what we owe God. Because remember, we're debtors, and yet, when we pray the Lord's Prayer and when we believe that Jesus is our Savior, we're essentially asking God to write off that debt, to, to pray, forgive our debts to God is to say, look, I can't pay whatever sin and shame and evil and horror and despair that I have built up around my life that is not perfect like you are. I can't afford to pay this. And I, and I want to live eternally with you and I want to have your love, but I can't afford to pay back what I owe, not, uh, not now and not ever. Following this model of prayer and praying for our debts to be forgiven is to openly admit we need that forgiveness, that the only way we'll ever be able to be back in God's good graces is to fall on his mercy to allow God to forgive us. And, and, and he does. It's amazing. He does out of his love for us. The second we start to follow Jesus, to believe who he is, the second we start to understand what he has done for us is the second that God forgives us of everything. Our debts to God are canceled and passed off as nothing anymore. God drops all of the charges against us. And the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, meaning no life of hell, no eternity spent away from God or from the goodness of God. No, none of that. It is truly a gift. It is a gift that means that we will not have to spend the rest of not only our lives here on this earth and in this life, but in the life to come, we won't have to spend it alone, away from from God mired in evil. We are forgiven and we're given a new home, a new calling, a new identity as a son or a daughter of God. We are forgiven and we are free to live eternally. And that happens immediately. So why does Jesus teach us to pray, forgive us our debts and not just do it once, but frequently, if not daily? Why, why does he teach us to keep asking for forgiveness? Well, I mean, sin is sin for starters, and it's there, and it just we're, it's a, it's un unfortunate we live we are sinful people. We ask for forgiveness for our debts and for our sins because we never stop being debtors. We're always going to be in debt. But but more than that, the, the step further from that is that Jesus wants us to relate to God not just as a judge but as a father. And this is such an important point, and and one that I think we miss a lot. If you only think of God as a judge, then it's a very binary thing. You're either innocent 
or guilty. You are either justified or not justified. You, you don't think in terms of pleasing or displeasing God. You only think in terms of the legal declaration of righteous or not righteous, free or jail forever. And as important as important as, as, as it is, excuse me, to recognize that God is a judge, if that's the only way you're going to relate to him, your Christianity is going to become stilted and stale. It's going to be fear-driven. But God is also our Father. And that's explicitly how Jesus wants us to address him in the Lord's Prayer, as Father. A good father loves his children. He can be pleased or displeased with them, but he loves them always. You wouldn't go back to the judge to admit another mistake, right? You wouldn't go rock up to a judge and be like, yeah, man, I stole another something. Sorry, throw me in jail. But you would go to your father to say, you're sorry if you did something. When my kids do something that they shouldn't do or fail to do what I ask them to do, I, I don't want them fearing that they're going to be disowned and booted out of the family. I, I don't, I don't, I also don't want them to think that their disobedience is no big deal if they're good children and if they know that I'm a good father, which they are. I don't know about me being the good father, but they're good children. They will come to know me and to acknowledge their things, their sins, their wrongs, their debts, and I will be eager, eager to forgive them. And in the same way, if I sin as a Christian, I should not fear condemnation, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But I should still feel like this shudder in my conscience when I do something. I, I shouldn't despair, but I should feel guilty when I do things that deserve to be punished. Because I have disrupted now the father-child relationship I enjoy with God. And that is why I should ask for forgiveness. Not to be justified all over again, but because I have made a mess of the most important relationship relationship in my life when I screw up. And so the prayer, forgive us our debts, is the cry not of the frightened sort of prisoner, but a loving child. So there's that part, the God part, but there's also a second part. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We are to forgive those who have wronged us, who have failed us, who have disappointed us. Just as we have been forgiven by God, we are to forgive those around us. And the starting point, hear me, the starting point for forgiving others is knowing that forgiveness from God. That's the starting point, knowing what God has done. We are to forgive others then, just like the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians Chapter 4, verse 32, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. And this, goodness gracious, is probably the toughest part about this entire talk. Because it's easy to ask God to forgive you. It is relatively easy to screw up and pray to a father that loves you. That's an easy thing to do. It's easy to go about your day knowing that there's this eternal Lord who is crazy about you and who wants to be walking with you and who wants to forgive you. But when somebody hurts you or hurts your family or like that girl from earlier who took all my stuff and left me broken. Because if you remember that story, I was living in a studio apartment in the ghetto. And every night I would come home from work and I would drink a bunch of alcohol and I would sit there in my own anger and frustration. And you know what happened? Jesus found me. Literally, 
kicked down the door of my heart one day on the way to work. And he spoke truth and he spoke a life to me and he showed me the path towards forgiveness for all of my own junk that I had been dealing with. And yet I still carried around my anger I had towards that girl for years after being saved, literal years, until one day after I had moved finally out of that studio apartment, about four years later, I had actually moved out of the state. I was living in New Jersey at the time. And I remember praying through this exact thing, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And I, I, I sat there for a minute and literally at that moment, don't know what happened, but Jesus released me from my anger towards her. It was gone. And I, and I can honestly say to this day, about 15 years later, I can laugh at that whole time in my life. It was painful and I don't want to forget it, but I have forgiven her and I, and I have moved on. And I need to make a quick mention of that. Forgiving, again, is not forgetting. That phrase, forgive and forget, is not found anywhere in the Bible. So don't think that I'm preaching a sermon on being a pushover. Please don't hear that. Forgiving and forgetting, especially for some of the big things that have happened to you, can lead to trouble. I mean, let's say you were the victim of abuse. Jesus calls you to forgive that person, as painful as that's going to be. Forgive them. But if you forget it, you might fall victim to abuse again. That's not how this works, and that is not what God is calling you to do. Forgiveness involves not holding a sin against a person, but forgiveness is also different from trust. It's wise to take precautions and remember and recognize the dynamics of a relationship that are going to have to change, especially in those things where you have been hurt. You don't need to forgive and forget. And even if you don't believe in Jesus about all of these things, forgiveness is good for your health. There was a major, major study done by the Cancer Treatment Centers of America back right after the pandemic in 2020. And they found that showing consideration, empathy, grace, and forgiveness, the four things we've talked about, to others that have wronged you, your debtors, it actually brings a number of health benefits to you, including lower blood sugar, lower blood pressure, higher levels of self-esteem, lower rates of heart disease, better cardiovascular functions, all sorts of things. Essentially, forgiving your debtors is good for your soul. It's not an easy process. And sometimes it involves a lot of counseling and outside help and, and sometimes medication and all of that. But it's something that we are called to do. It's something that'll bring about wholeness and restoration. It's something that you can do with God's help and with the help of all of us in our community. And that's why tonight I want to leave with this. Every week we like to end our message time with a, a, a phrase called why it matters. It's something that we can boil down this entire time and something that you can kind of walk away with. And tonight, here's why all of this matters. Forgiving is not just good for your relationship with God. It's good for your soul. It's not just good for your relationship with God, understanding that you are forgiving those that have wronged you, understanding that you've been forgiven, understanding, understanding that when you show consideration and empathy and grace and forgiveness, the four kind of parts that this entire verse of the Lord's Prayer talks about, it's not just good for that relationship with God to be put into wholeness. It's also good for your soul your physical well-being here on this earth. Praying this statement of the Lord's Prayer allows you to put that relationship with God back in right standing, but it also allows you to put your relationship with yourself and with other humans into proper alignment. And, and often you can repair the relationships with those who you come into contact with. 
So as we close tonight, I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for your week ahead. And I want you to kind of ask yourself, like, who do you need to forgive right now? Who has sinned against you that you need to forgive? We're here to help in our Discord. We're here to help in our church. We're here to help in our community. But we can also point you to counseling resources if you need them. We have a lot of things going on here that we can help you with. Who do you need to forgive? And most, maybe more importantly, how can we pray for you to feel the forgiveness of the Lord in your life? Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for your love and your truth. We thank you for the Lord's Prayer. We thank you for forgiveness, God. And in the middle of everything that we're dealing with, in the middle of all the places and spaces that we walk into, God, I'm asking that you help us to see that we are forgiven by you. The second we call Jesus our Lord and Savior, the second we call you our Father, the second we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit is the second we are forgiven and brought along onto a path of restoration. But... We also need to take that step of forgiving those that have sinned against us, forgiving our debtors. Help us to do that long, arduous, painful process, God. Help us to get past the selfishness and the egocentricity of our world to see that forgiving is not only good for our relationship with God, but is good for our soul. We love you and we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Lux Digital Church. If Lux has been having an impact on your life, I want to encourage you to visit us at luxdigitalchurch.com and get connected to our community there. We're so thankful for you and we appreciate you. Have a blessed day and a blessed week.